0: Bet you think your company's training program is adequate. Maybe you should think again. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. about every company would claim to have a good program for training both new and continuing employees on a wide range of functions. But closer examination might prove those efforts to fall short. And the failure to have proper training in place can cost a company billions of dollars in lost profits, insurance claims, workers' compensation, lawsuits, medical visits, and time off work. So we're speaking today to Carol Lehman, CEO of Exonify, who's going to offer her views on what a good training initiative should consist of. She'll talk about why companies often don't have proper training programs in place, even if they think they do. She'll outline some of the most effective training techniques that your company should be considering. And she'll answer crucial questions such as, how do you make employees want to learn? What do you need to teach them? How can you ensure they'll retain the information? And how do you make good training a permanent part of any organization? So here is my conversation with Carol Lehman. Carol Lehman, welcome to the program. Thank you. We're going to be talking about the use of so-called smarter training techniques in organizations and supply chains today, but I want to start by asking if you could just tell me, how do you believe that poor or inadequate training negatively impacts an organization?
1: Poor and inadequate training has a multitude of impacts, actually. It's uh, something that, as we've come to know, can tie very directly to some specific areas of loss in the supply chain. So, for example, people who are involved in following policies and procedures, um, and they could be related, for example, to health and safety types of things like putting up a ladder properly or driving a forklift properly. When people aren't trained adequately or have that training reinforced at appropriate intervals, what human beings tend to do is just guess and use judgment when exercising certain activities or behaviors. And what we know is that in many cases, unfortunately, employees guessing at how to do something properly results in an incident. And many times those incidents uh, are of extreme cost to the employer. So inadequate training can have a multitude of impacts on the behavior that is a result of poor training. And that, of course, has a a pretty significant cost in some cases.
0: Yeah, you believe it's not an exaggeration to say that the cost can get up into the millions of dollars, correct?
1: Millions, in fact, billions, to be honest with you. We uh, have customers who, as examples, spend literally tens of millions of dollars a year dealing with the financial impacts that relate to insurance claims, lawsuits, Uh, medical visits, time off work. There are a host of ways that those costs manifest themselves. And very quickly, if you have a large organization and thousands to tens of thousands of people who are potentially at risk of poor behavior that results in those outcomes, the cost grows exponentially very, very quickly.
0: Now, I'm sure that if you ask just about any company, whether they had training programs, they would tell you, of course we do. Where do you think corporate training programs are falling short today?
1: You're absolutely right. I don't know of an organization, in fact, that doesn't have training of some level, particularly at the outset when you hire a new person. So organizations absolutely would say that they train their employees. Um, I don't think you'd find one that says they they don't train. However, the trick is not just that one-time upfront training. The real key goes to reinforcement because what happens with human beings, whether we like it or not, is our ability to remember and then operationalize information is actually quite limited when you look at it. What an employee remembers 30 days after you train them on something is not any more than typically about 7 to 10% of what you told them 30 days earlier. And so it isn't a case of lack of training at the outset. It's a case of lack of reinforcement that results in memory and retention so that at that point of need, the employee can draw on information instantly that's been parked in the backs of their heads quite effectively so that when they encounter the situation they know exactly what to do. So it isn't the lack of training up front, it's the lack of reinforcement and ongoing reinforcement that is the big deficiency typically in an organization.
0: Is that what you mean by smarter training?
1: Absolutely. It is the case that employers need to get very smart about how to personalize information to specific individuals based on their perceived or demonstrated knowledge gaps and also do it in a way that makes it much more easy for the human brain to remember, retain, and then operationalize. And it is elements related to that that we say in particular are the things that employers need to get more smart about so that they can have generally across their employee set, smarter individuals working in their companies.
0: Now, you talk about the importance of reinforcement. You say 30 days later, they've they've only, you say, what is it, 7 or 10%? That they, yeah. That they've kept, unless, of course, I imagine that over those 30 days, they were actually applying those things they learn on a day-to-day basis, but they, it's probably a case that they've learned so much up front that they can't possibly be using that information every single day, which is probably why it sort of slips out of the brain, right?
1: That's exactly correct. We all know, for example, things that we remember are the things that we do repetitively. And so it goes from the simple case of, um, if we take an example like our, which is not related to a policy or procedure, but just information generally. If I said to you, tell me your home address you would typically be able to instantly tell me what that was, and it's because you've had to repeat it a number of times. So the same thing works when you're doing something on the job. If you have the opportunity to do it repeatedly, your chances of doing it correctly, ongoing, are greatly enhanced. But what typically happens in a work environment is when a new employee takes on a new role or is hired into the organization, they're fire hosed with so much information that it is simply impossible to do all of those things and have exposure to all of those things that they learned day one. They get a very, very small subset typically of ongoing experience. And so it could be the case that six months or nine months later, suddenly they are faced with a situation that they vaguely recall. They learned something about nine months earlier, and they simply don't really remember, so then they start that guessing, making that educated guess. It's those areas where employees get themselves into trouble and their organizations into trouble, and it's that lack of reinforcement of those learning points that... Are the, I, I won't say the exception, they tend to be the rule because what people have to employ day to day on the job is typically just a small subset of all of that information you gave them on the first day or in the first week.
0: I want to get to methods of reinforcement, but I want to start by asking you what you consider to be the optimal techniques for that initial training when a person first hits the job. Would it be in the form of putting them on the job with a mentor looking over their shoulder? Would it be a classroom situation? Would it be an online thing? What are the me- the best proven methods for at least getting you up to speed in the beginning with the proper information you need to know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. It is simply the case. It's a practical reality that when you hire new people or they start a new role, you do need to convey more information than that individual is frankly capable of digesting and retaining. But you do need to lay a foundation. The critical element is what happens next. And so the best organizations employ a blended approach to causing that reinforcement to happen. So there are organizations using a combination of online tools as well as on the job mentoring. The mentoring piece is a case of you can't have somebody standing beside you shadowing you 24 hours a day for the first six months you're on the job. It does need to be at intervals and so it's not always going to catch areas of deficiency. But doing that in certainly in some cases is very critical to reinforcing the right sorts of behaviors. The online tools are extremely effective as well and so having uh, an online tool like Exonify where you give the employee an opportunity three minutes a day to reinforce critical pieces of knowledge that are personalized to that individual's knowledge set gives the employee an active opportunity to reach out and pull that learning to them. And then you can have, obviously, classroom-based reinforcement at intervals after that. There is no one single approach that is ideal. It is ideal, though, to combine the in-person reinforcement with an online tool that is what I would call snack-sized, that allows the employee access anywhere, anytime, for a short span of time, which, again, maps to how the brain works to retain. And so it is a combination of many things that all result in the most rapid time to competency and gives the employee the best opportunity to be a top performer and the employer the best outcomes from a financial perspective.
0: When it comes time to do the reinforcement and the online tool, is this triggered by the employee? Like, for instance, does he or she say, I need to refresh myself on topic A, B, or C? Or is it a structured program that this tool is feeding to the employee that reflects what the company feels the employee needs to be refreshed about?
1: In fact, it's a combination of both of those things. And so there are critical learning points that the employer may feel are essential to having the employee understand and be able to perform at a peak. And so those things are pushed in a way that work to close that individual employee's knowledge gap. And they're based on demonstrated knowledge previously. And so there's that prescriptive, in a way, set of information, pieces of information that are automatically designed through an algorithm to close the the gaps. But the employee also has the ability to acquire knowledge at a point of need that they recognize instantly uh, they'd like some remedial information about. And so Even the knowledge that the employer has designated as, you know, these particular topics are those that need to be acquired, knowledge acquired by the employees, that experience is one that employers really need to think about creating an environment where the employee seeks even those specific things out at that point where they have a few minutes a day, and not just shove it down their throats. So there's this kind of overarching umbrella of how do you make an employee want to learn, and then how do you give them tools to get what you think they need, but also what they think they need underneath that overarching umbrella of getting them to want to do it themselves.
0: Like anything of this sort, there's got to be a cost involved. So I'm wondering if you could just tell me, what is your assessment of top management's willingness to take on this responsibility to spend this kind of money towards so-called smarter training? Are top managers, are CEOs kind of on board with this, or does it sometimes take some convincing to let them see what the long-term benefits are?
1: I would say that three years ago, certainly, It was the case that classroom-based, instructor-led learning, LMS solutions where you watch a video for an hour and perhaps get tested out at the end of the hour, but there's no ongoing reinforcement. Companies were in the mode of LMS as an online technology was the solution to classroom-based instruction, which is very, very costly for a variety of reasons. And today, three years later, I can tell you that many organizations are understanding that the idea of accessibility and voluntary participation by employees and particularly with the way the world has evolved. We all want information when we want it, as we want it, on the devices we want it. Google has made us very, very demanding when it comes to information needs and instant gratification in very short bits of information. And so employers have come around to spending money on solutions that give the employee almost a consumer-like experience, but oriented around the training equation. And so what we're seeing now is... Uh, not only a desire to give the employee an experience that mimics that consumer-like experience, but also the cost of not doing it and um, doing it the old way is simply orders of magnitude greater than the beneficial outcomes you can get by spending that money. So ROI, that return on investment for the learning dollar, we can now prove, quite specifically, has a vastly greater benefit than, in fact, the money spent. So that's gone a long way to, to bringing around CEOs, chief marketing officers, sales VPs, people who are trying to drive behavior change in financially beneficial ways. And so the cost of, of having the experience to do that is dramatically less than the business outcomes.
0: What are some of the most critical areas of education and training within an organization? The one that immediately springs to mind for me would be worker safety. Uh, But what are some of the ones that, that, that are especially important that might have the biggest impact on the organization?
1: Well, depending on the environment, I can tell you safety is a massive, massive area of information that results in a very specific cost to the employer if um, not dealt with properly. And so all manner of safety topics are highly amenable to this sort of training. But there are other areas as well. For example, customer-facing types of activities, so sales, customer service, just generally company information, you know, how do you behave in a way that is consistent with our corporate values and the way that we treat each other, there's just a myriad of knowledge and information that goes to how that employee behaves day-to-day on the job, whether it's attitude, whether it is soft skills, types of information, all the way down to training around health and safety sorts of topics. And what we know is that when you can get an employee to behave in a really positive way, to be thinking about the organization generally, they will take action, whether it is appropriate action to reduce safety incidents or to facilitate customer sales or customer service with through attitudinal sorts of behaviors. All of those things benefit greatly from the appropriate training approach.
0: How important is it to achieve some high-level coordination of all your training and education efforts? Like, should there be one individual who is sort of tasked with overseeing the entire training regimen? Despite the fact, as you point out, that it's so broad and touches upon so many different aspects of the organization, I would imagine that would be a bit of a challenge. Is it important to do that, though? Have, like, one person who's kind of in charge of the whole thing?
1: What we tend to find, you're, you're absolutely right, we tend to find that organizations have many people involved in the training equation. What works best in our experience is, particularly we have, where you have a larger organization, you uh, want to tackle one problem first. So in the case of Walmart, for example, we began working with their logistics group, and it was around the culture of safety. And we have since expanded that footprint into other areas of Walmart that have nothing to do with safety. And the folks that are involved in other areas of the business have their own budgets, have their own objectives in terms of goals that they need to achieve for their areas of the business. But at the same time, there are folks in the HR and learning and development group that sit over those business units that are very interested in what training is being made available to those specific teams. And they have their eye on that ball. They're just not controlling it. But with time, everything starts to get interconnected. So it's really, particularly in a large organization, difficult to do what I call boil the ocean and get every person thinking about all the different sorts of training because there's so much of it. You really do need to start with one particular business problem, look at the outcomes you're trying to achieve, and orient your material and program to that group first, and then you can expand through the organization.
0: How long has Axonify been around?
1: We have been in business for four years, and... Started in safety applications, that was our key area of business, and have since expanded to other uh, applications, as our customers have taken us there. And so Walmart is one of those situations where, as I said, we did start in the logistics area and have since expanded to other areas of the business.
0: Okay, so that's given you lots of time to get feedback from your customer base and Mm -hmm. who are probably going through kind of a trial and error sort of process over the years to reach that optimal level and optimal program of training. So how has your own thinking evolved over those years as to what works best and what doesn't work so well?
1: That is absolutely true. You learn a lot when you start and begin working with your customers. They teach you a whole bunch about what's important to them. And our learning has evolved in a whole variety of ways. We've enhanced the platform, the algorithm that drives knowledge and retention that is very measurable. We have understood what sorts of game mechanics work well to drive voluntary participation. And that's largely come from our customer feedback. We have also moved to capturing behaviors, the actual outcomes of knowledge, and attach those back algorithmically to the specific points that are being reinforced. We've done a whole lot of learning around how employees use the platform, what data comes out of that, and how we can very effectively target a specific financial statement line our customers have taught us all of that, and what we've done is been very, very conscious of speaking to them constantly and consistently about the value they're getting out of it so that we can continue to enhance the experience for both the employee and the employer.
0: What's your own background in this business, Carol? Where do you come from, and how did you kind of come get into this world?
1: Well, I am what is commonly referred to as a technology serial CEO. This is my fourth technology company, actually. And my background is, interestingly, accounting. So I am a CPA by formal education and got into raising capital and doing merger acquisition work for a public company, which led to buying a particular tech company in California that I ultimately became the CEO of and that was about 15 years ago and I have sold the previous three companies successfully to various acquirers and ended up buying Exotify when they had one customer and a couple of employees and took it over about four years ago and have built it uh, over the last four years with a business partner and so I often say to people, while my specific background, with any of the companies, in fact, doesn't lend itself to, you know, I'm not a learning and development expert, just like I wasn't a virtual reality expert in one of my last companies, but I can apply really good business principles and market-based principles to having really good intuition about what a corporate enterprise needs, can get value out of and achieve their business results through that. So that's how I came to be. I identified what I thought was a really, really tremendous opportunity to take a small technology at the time and attack a market that was ripe for disruption. And we've proven over the last four years that that intuition was correct, fortunately. So here we are.
0: It certainly is a hot topic. Well, Carol Lehman, I want to thank you so much for being with us today, telling us your story, the story of Exonify, and giving us some really valuable tips on how organizations can improve their training uh, for supply chain and general business processes as well. Thank you very much for being with us.
1: Thanks for having me,
0: Bob. I appreciate it. That was my conversation with Carol Lehman of Exonify, talking about how to implement an effective and permanent employee training program in your organization. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain.